All right, welcome to another episode of the Esports Next podcast. It is my pleasure today, along with, as always, the lovely co-host, Miss Megan Van Petten, who is the founder of the Esports Trade Association, to welcome Mike Bousset, who is an account executive with Encore Global, played a key part in our annual Esports Next conference. Thank you for joining us today, Mike. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. So we want to take um, our audience here through your path in esports, um, both starting out playing, uh, I believe, StarCraft II in way back in 2009. Yes. That's we right. want to um, also share some of your insights, your experience in the space from that time to today. Um, share with us how you just originally got involved with playing StarCraft II, which is known as kind of the origin title for global esports. Sure. I mean, oh, wow. It goes even further before StarCraft II in that sense, right? Like StarCraft Brood War was the first uh, game that I purchased with my own allowance, and I felt really cool about that. Uh, so it always kind of had a very special part in my heart. And then once uh, StarCraft II came out, I thought, you know what? This is going to be the game that I really get into, that I really spend some time on. And I spent too much time on it. And at that point, I was like, <laughs> yes, I can I could play competitively. And I saw that there was a there was a market for it. I went for it, had a good time. Wow. How far down the path competitively did you get before you had your eyes open and you were like, I don't think this is the long term <laughs> plan you know there there comes a time in every competitive player's life where they reach a master rank or a top rank of something and they think there's got to be something more than that uh where you know i was playing originally where i, I don't even know if grandmaster was a rank yet in mm -hmm. in starcraft 2 but uh, I had reached like the top ish level of master. And I was like, you know what? This is fun. I, I'm having a good time sitting behind my computer and playing these games. But I wonder if there is a place where people can go in and play these things in person, maybe win a little money and maybe win a little fame, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah. I went into it from there. I just started doing some research and found that there were places in, in Toronto uh, where I live where where they were hosting those kind of tournaments so i was having a, yeah I, I went in on that that's pretty cool and because um you know a lot of our audience are people who are coming into the space and they're they're learning about esports they're bringing of course their their complementary expertise but they may sure. not uh you know have been playing competitive games for decades can you give us a little bit of background of what is starcraft 2 and what makes it such a great esports title Oh, absolutely. Yeah. StarCraft 2 is a real-time strategy game, which those kind of games have kind of fallen by the wayside, I want to say, recently. Uh, you may have heard of titles such as Warcraft. You may have heard of uh, uh, Age of Age of Empires, uh, that whole series of games. Um, but essentially, you're given a base and some units to collect resources. And then from there, you develop an army, you put that army against another army, and then whoever can destroy the opponent's base first is the is the winner. Yep. Great description there. I'm curious, in Toronto, where you said you grew up, yeah. uh, we know that um, South Korea is where, you know, these PC bangs originated and, and, and so did esports, you know my team against your team um sort of a thing 
What was it like in Toronto in 2009, especially compared to today, where we have, you know, professional teams that are owned by big companies and compete globally? Sure. It, it was it was very uh, small organizations, people who weren't even calling themselves organizations at the time, people who just wanted to put together events and and locations for people to go and play. Um, there were a lot of Facebook groups. There was a lot of things done over Facebook at the time uh, hmm. to get people to go over to, to, you know, venues that had either said that it was all right, that people came in and, and played a couple hours of games. Or at the time, there was also uh, Barcraft, which was uh, kind of taking the feed from South Korea, where, where StarCraft was way more popular by far and had a lot of a tighter grasp on the on the broadcast and, and streaming side of things. Um, and, and BarCrafts were a place where we all just kind of sat, had some beers, had some snacks and whatever, uh, and, and watched competitive StarCraft from Korea. Uh, that was a really interesting time because it, it was, you know, at, at all the bars at the time, that was a place where you would watch sports. And and here we're, we're finally ask, watching yeah. esports uh, that we've been wanting to watch for so long. So, so was this like a gaming themed bar or was it like your traditional sports bar? And they're like, hey, we're switching the from ESPN over to the StarCraft channel. What was well, the it, dynamic there? Yeah, it's interesting how that happened, right? Like there was... At first, it was just a bar that would have an esports night, uh, and then eventually, uh, a few gaming centered bars would would pop up here and there. A few esports centered bars would pop up mm -hmm. here and there. Uh, I could only really think of two off the top of my head, and one that had like several major rebrands uh, over over the years, but um, that were solely focused on esports in a bar setting. Um, and those ones were interesting because they had not only the bar, but in the back, they would have kind of an internet cafe attached to it. Um, mm. So it would give people a place to go and play all these games that they're sitting there watching. And now that's kind of evolved into more of a casual sense. Uh, barcades are huge around yeah. the country now, and they certainly weren't, uh, what, six, seven years ago. Um wow, I'm, I'm even talking like 14 years ago here, but yeah, it's they're they're rampant now and they're wonderful they have such a great business model where you can sit there and play games and enjoy being social with friends in both mm -hmm. the game sense and the sit down at a table with a with a beer sense it's cool it's interesting i um remember years ago buffalo wild wings um was introducing like a esports night at their locations and oh, there cool. was a ton of pushback against it because the 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 typical consumer was there to watch traditional sports and then they come in and they're like hey it's counter-strike night or i know they became the the center to uh i think watch hearthstone I oh sure yeah and so you know i'm not trying to criticize anybody but it, it's interesting just to see um and this was probably i want to say five or six years ago um, when they attempted this, but to see the adoption mm. of that sort of a thing. And I, I'm curious if it would be successful at the same locations now at Buffalo Wild Wings, which is such a traditional sports uh, entity, you know, restaurant, or you've got to create your own 
you know, gaming specific restaurant to be successful because there's this, there's, well, there's more adoption and more understanding, more mainstream um, viewership. There's still this pretty big gap between a hardcore traditional sports fan base saying, Hey, put Monday night football back on. (laughs) Right. And what am I watching on the screen here? That's really interesting because you know, I, I think sports bars do a really good job at being subtle about what sports they're showing at the time. If it's not like a Monday night football or like a specific event that everybody's wanting to watch um, it, with things like, I don't know, darts or poker. Sometimes you go to a sports bar and that's just on in the background and nobody bats an eye. Um, right. I think when it comes to esports broadcasts in in sports bars, it would be interesting to see if, you know, you just change that channel from darts or or poker over to Hearthstone, how many people would actually complain about that? Because I think the 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 problem and the understandable side from the people who are not in esports going into these bars and seeing esports on, on the thing is that if it is it, if it's blaring out into the restaurant, if they're they're making a point of making sure that you watch this broadcast while you're at right. the sports bar. Maybe that's a little intrusive and that could feel people feel a little excluded. But right now, if I go to a Buffalo Wild Wing, anytime I go to America, I usually try and stop by there at least once. Um, it, it, it Right now, if I go in there, then they, I, I can just tune out whatever sport is playing because they're not super uh obnoxious about it they don't they don't blare the sport i'm not a sports guy i'm an esports guy yeah but i can still enjoy going to a wing place it's interesting too because you make a great point about like the audio broadcast Mm -hmm. right if anybody's been to buffalo wild wings there's more than one tv let's just put it down (laughs) um but casting shout casting is such a big part of the broadcast and Mm -hmm. the event itself that obviously if you're really in tune with playing the game, you can follow a game without the casting. But a big part of what builds those moments is the caster and you know the climax of their voice and um, all this stuff. The, the other thing I would say, it's true. And it's kind of funny as we're going down this little tangent. It's what I love about this show. You never know what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, is the title. So Hearthstone is, you know, is something that the casual viewer might walk in and be like, the heck's going on, right? right. League of Legends is going to be a similar experience. But what if you had Rocket League up there? You know, and I guarantee you have Rocket League on there. Your kids are at least like, yeah, their car's playing soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's something that you can follow, something that is is pretty close to traditional stores. I would argue it's probably easier, more enjoyable to follow than even madden where you're like you're simulating what is done on the field in real life in the the other broadcasts they watch it'd be interesting to do some like a b testing of like what you said with the audio and then also in this restaurant we did league of legends in this one we did rocket league in this one we did valorant And, and it depends on what kind of food it depends if people, how long people are sitting there for, because the League of Legends game can go for 40 minutes at a time. A Rocket League game can go for uh, a little bit less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing P and yeah, like if, if it's a sports bar, 
having people watch through Rocket League game and and seeing the similarities between tra uh, traditional sports. But also then we're looking outside of bars too, right? There are other places that have TVs that can go and share broadcasts. I would love to see Hearthstone at a card shop. Yeah. yeah. And then that's a great location for it, right? Um, one thing that when I was at GameStop, we facilitated partnerships with all these different Overwatch League teams. Sure. And it was when um, Overwatch was in Blizzard Arena in L.A., so I think Burbank specifically. So just for the audience who is not familiar, Overwatch launched a global league with 12 teams globally that started. And I think the second year it went to 16. Mm -hmm. Well, at GameStop, we're trying to figure out, hey, how do we, you know, take this passion that is esports and, you know, enhance their experiences, get them to become fans of GameStop? Well, um, shout out to the Dallas Fuel, my buddy Shea Butler out there. Um, they did a watch party for the very first game and they didn't even do anything like super cool or specific. They just invited a bunch of gamers out to an official Dallas field watch party at a bar. 700 people showed up. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And then we did all sorts of different things. So I worked, I did partnerships with, I think it was nine team nine of the living us-based teams because my purview was the united states and um like the the new york excelsior they did something they had a i think it's called uh five deadly venoms is like their their esports community so they bring together people who are playing all sorts of different games and they had like these tokens that are numbered so you can you can only get a token if you're you know part of the crew there's only like a hundred of them or something and so if you have your token with you you get like a free drink at the bar nice. or something like that and then we had um our good friends in south florida justin stefanovich and the misfits they did a watch party inside of the miami heat stadium where they watched it on the jumbotron because miami Heat is part of their ownership group so it's just like really really interesting from the standpoint of it doesn't necessarily have so much to do with the location maybe but that you are reaching the right fan base certainly absolutely and the, right the fact that it was when when you started with with GameStop when you when you first mentioned GameStop I was like how are they going to bring people inside their store to go and watch that well they weren't they brought them inside a, a bar to go and watch that they facilitated that mm -hmm. companies don't have to necessarily do things out of their own location they can go and you know outsource look at the resources look at where people go and go to the community don't bring, try to get them to community yeah exactly and i'll tell you what the second time that we did it we had gamestop wristbands mm -hmm. that were team branded so i had a team and gamestop logos on these wristbands if you went to a, a local GameStop store to get your wristband, you had special VIP privileges at the watch party. Very cool. So that yeah. was the the foot driving tactic. Absolutely. Yeah. And and they were they have historically done quite a bit for the the gaming community the esports community i as you can probably see i'm a big pokemon nerd um 
and one of the things that GameStop has has always done very well is is bring people inside their store for you know promotions that Pokemon's had, uh, you know, getting people over there to get a certain Pokemon that's incredibly rare or is otherwise impossible to get. Um, so they they do they do quite a bit of good work there. I like that. They do, and I, I want to bring this conversation back to you yeah. specifically. Um, we've talked kind of about everybody, but you and your company um, <laughs> on core global here. Did you, when you're competing in 2009, mm-hmm. did you ever think that you would be working in this industry off of the stage or behind the stage rather than competing on it? No, no, never. I, I did not think that I would ever work uh, backstage or help put on the events that I was actually going to. Uh, I, I think that I was just thinking about this on the car ride over here that uh, this is kind of the new generation of, I think, people going into the broadcast industry. Historically, yeah. over the past probably three years, the broadcast industry has been seeing an interesting decline because there has been a switch um, from just strictly in-person events to in-person and remote or fully hybrid or fully remote. And yeah. and it's a full skill set that I think a lot of people either don't have or realize that it's their time to go and step back and let other people jump in. And the people who are kind of picking up the torch and and running with that are people who have been streaming for the past, you know, 15 years, people who have been in broadcast, uh, whether they know it or not for the past 15 years. And so that was, that was me, right? I had my whole career in, in streaming, uh, prior to joining Encore, um, I would do things in in Pokemon. Um, so I would go and stream the game. I would host podcasts. I would, uh, I have currently a YouTube channel that I'm very active on uh, that is fully centered around Pokemon in esports. And, and at some point there was this switch that flipped in my brain. It was my best friend who, who sent me a, a job posting for a separate company at the time uh, who said, you would be perfect for this. Uh, this is exactly what you do. And I looked at it and I was like, that's, that's not what I do that. I don't, I don't, I'm not facilitating broadcasts. And then I thought about it. I said, yes, I am. Uh, (laughs) It's just, I wasn't facilitating broadcasts for other people. And so when that came into the mix, I was like, okay, it, I think it's, it's time to actually make a career out of this. And that's exactly what happened. That's amazing. (laughs) When you take yourself out of the, of the job description. We actually have a member company that you met. Yeah. People works. Yes. That literally helps you find what you love doing and pairs you with a company that actually does, um, that actually helps you do what you love. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't put it together themselves. So it's fascinating that that's what you did. And I wonder if that's why Encore is thriving and it's such a great group of people really from the top down or Absolutely. the top horizontally. <laughs> Absolutely, Megan. Yeah, I, I really do appreciate the the forward thinking of, of that, thinking that there are people out there who have been putting so much time in learning so much of the industry that they don't that that is normally taught in school. People are self-teaching right now because they can. Uh, right. And there are still people who do that in in university, and people who learn learn that going for the express purpose of working in broadcast. And then there are the people who don't know that they're 
uh, they've got all the skills to work in broadcast. I've been saying yeah. for a while that like once Twitch streamers realize that there's a a full career in working in the back end, so many of them are going to flood over to broadcast because it's just, it's waiting for them. Oh my gosh. And the harmony in your team, like when mm. I, when I went to your Toronto um, kickoff event, that was one of the best executed events I've ever seen. Well, I appreciate you saying that. A big part of the success of that, I, I think, is that so many of the people uh, who, who've who done great work on those those kind of shows, uh, people like Adam Joshua, who I think you've had on, on the podcast before, yeah. people like uh, Caroline Vanny, like they, we have all been personalities on and off screen. We have we know what it's like to put on a great show. We know what it's yeah. like to feel that anxiety of wanting to put on a great show. Yeah. And so, you know, having that mentality going into a show, knowing how to put that passion first is mm. it, it's super important. It's it's key. Uh, you, you can't go into something trying to put something together without having some kind of passion uh, for it. Uh, right. Otherwise, it's, it's you'll feel it if you don't. John, don't you think there's just something about it? Um, he looks at me and I look at him like through the whole course of our show <laughs> for a couple of days and we're like, yeah, it's good. It's good. There's yeah. just magic. There is something where words can't explain, almost like trying to tell someone your dream that was so vivid mm -hmm. yes. when you do this work, um, the hospitality component of show production from behind the scenes planning yeah. the stage a whole year we plan esports next and when it comes together it's just what do you say john uh yeah it's well it's incredibly fulfilling you know it's so cool when you have the opportunity to bring something to life that matters to so many people sure right and this event Whatever, whether it's esports next, where it's whether it's the Toronto chapter launch, whether it's an esports tournament, this thing could not happen without you and your team executing it, and the enjoyment of the attendees is greatly tied to what you execute, how well you execute this. And I think what's so cool, Mike, is that. What you're doing with Encore, it's very mm -hmm. similar to just kind of like the mission of ESTA as a whole. You are this person who has been playing competitive video games probably your whole life, right? And Encore is a company coming from outside the space who they have a deep expertise in producing live events. Yes. Right? And so to deliver that then for the esports community, they bring you on and some other folks who have similar backgrounds, I'm sure. And you're able to share collaborative complementary knowledge to do something better than either you could do on your own or that they could do on their own. Absolutely. It's really cool to see it happen. Uh, it, it's really interesting to see something created from people who want to make something larger than just the sum of their parts. Mm -hmm. Um it, it, making those those magic moments in events is what we all live for uh both of you as well uh it, it's all about it's all about that and with with esports next there were uh there were several magic moments but for those who who were not uh attending and were considering attending i highly highly recommend that 
because there were just so many opportunities to for those magic moments to be created or to take advantage of the magic moments that were kind of put out in front of us. Um, two that I will divulge if you'll if you'll let me Please. is uh, the speed dating section. We had a speed dating section at the end of eSports Next, and it was it was wild. It was amazing. I love talking with so many people so so fast and so uh, here, there, and everywhere. But like I've had so many conversations after the fact from people who I only had a small amount of time to talk to because yeah. you fit so much in when you can only talk with someone for two minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and just to give our listeners who were not at Esports Next an, an idea there, essentially um, the, the goal of this speed networking session is to identify as quick as possible who is in the room who, who is complimentary to your business or that you are complimentary to, the, to theirs. So many times we'll go to an event and possibly the most valuable person we could have met we don't meet mm -hmm. because we never came across them, right? right? So at the beginning, we say, okay, let us help you identify who do you want to spend the, the next two days with building relationships that are good. And hey, the people who are not complimentary to your business, we love those people too. But right. we've got a limited amount of time. And so if you're looking to take somebody out to dinner or you're going to grab a drink later or you know, meet people at the coffee connections, IRL, you know who you want to sit next to and bring along during those moments. I want to highlight one, one part of that, that you just said, because I think it really will resonate with a lot of people where there's, there's a lot of focus on the things that do happen at an event. I think there is not a ton of focus on the things that don't happen in an event. And I'll mm. get to what that means in a little bit, but first in the speed networking session, you mentioned how there were some people that you do really gel with and some people who your business uh, or your, your uh, what you're trying to do does not necessarily, is not incredibly relevant for. Right. I think that is just as important as finding out what your business can gel with because you're, you're meeting with people who are in the industry as well, doing things around what you're doing. And you never know how and how many times uh, you guys will will go and cross paths. So I mean, whatever, you never know, right? Well, um, sometimes it's the mm -hmm. it's just the difference of a business priority shifting, or sometimes you're looking for a job, and they're yeah. the hiring manager, or they're looking for someone, or you know, just building a very robust and diverse network has a lot of value to it. Yeah. There's all sorts of people I know who like in the, are in the traditional sports space and, and things of that nature yeah. that it's like, well, yeah, what I do today on a daily basis, there's no immediate business opportunities, but they're great connections. They're great to learn from yeah. and you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And if you really, Absolutely. if you, one of the reasons I love trade associations is, you know, obviously we break it down to a trade, one trade and they're actually smaller communities. Believe it or not, they average to be around 400 leaders. Wow. In influencers is the average number for a trade association event. So we are just like right on clockwork um, for the average. And there is rotation 
of, you know, in that 100 to 200 amount of people. Yep. When John and Charles brought that particular event to the community, I thought it was brilliant. Of course, it was mm. two single guys that thought we should do speed dating. speed <laughs> dating. <laughs> But. <laughs> but it was, it, it was, it is, you know, one of our pillar parts of our program because it is a very small world when, mm. when you really look and, and, and why not help your friend? Cause they, they're in, under the same tent that you are. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, um, it's really awesome to hear that. Absolutely. And then the other, uh, part of esports next, which I really appreciated and what I meant earlier by the things that don't happen at an event is in between uh, sessions, giving the event that space to breathe was so nice because we had the chance to go and speak with one, some of the people who are up on stage, but two, some of the people that the people on stage would go and identify, say, oh, I see X organization out in the audience. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I really want to go and talk with them. Or I've, I've seen them a couple of years ago. I used to interview people uh, from, from this industry. So I've got to see a couple of people who uh, I haven't seen in years. Uh, so having that time to go out into the hall and, and chat with them over drinks, over coffee, uh, where the tables were provided there for everyone to just kind of go and sit down and, and have chats with each other, I thought was really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and then the ability to bring everyone back into the room for the next ses uh, session was equally important, but very fun as well. Yeah, it, thank you for that. It's it's great to hear feedback to mm -hmm. understand what we're doing that is adding value so we can con continue to do it and do it even better next year. I love the, uh, you know, we, we had a real strong focus on access to people this year. You know, yeah. there's, there's a number of events, both within esports and beyond esports, where you have a speaker flies in, appears for the panel, don't look him in the eyes, <laughs> exits, and is yeah. gone. And I, I've even been on some of those panels where it's like, hey, is so-and-so showing up? And then it's like, Yep, I'm here for the panel. It's like, hey, you want to buy grab a bite after? So no, nope. nah, I gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. And yeah. so while we do understand people's, you know, travel restrictions or what have you, if they've got a lot of places to be, one thing that we wanted to provide is access that you see that person speak on stage, you probably have a bunch of questions for them. Also, other side of the coin, it's extremely valuable for the speaker to be able to further connect with the audience. Certainly. Because when you're seeing somebody as a thought leader or someone you're learning from, there's a great chance that you're gonna reach out to them, you know, for something that is gonna put some money in their pocket or help accomplish their their business goals. That's right, absolutely. There, there's so many uh, situations I can think of off the top of my head that where if there was just an extra two hours where, where the person who flew in for that conference to speak would just stay around for a little bit. Yes. I, I feel like they would, they would create a lot more business for not only their company, but they would create a lot more experiences for, for themselves. Obviously there would be for the people who are, who are speaking with them. But I, I think the, the, the extra step that a lot of those thought leaders can take that if they're not already doing is to spend a little bit more time actually talking to the people that they're talking to. Mm. Yeah. 
That's a really strong point. Um, last thing is we have about, you know, five minutes here with this episode is I know that one uh, aspect of the esports industry that you are, you're very aware of and have a little concern about is sustainability. Yes. Right. Share with us a little bit, some of your thoughts on sustainability, some of your concerns and perhaps some solutions if you, if you see any possible ones. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, collaboration has always been the name of the game for people. And that's why these trade associate associations exist. That's why uh, networking in general exists because people can do a lot more if they're working together with different organizations, with different companies, with different people within those companies, in their own companies. Uh, and and so one thing I, I see esports uh, struggling a little, no, uh, one one opportunity I can see with with esports right now is is the ability to work with multiple people at a time. You see it a lot in uh, conventions. You see it a lot in uh, tournaments from big large name uh, uh, organizations as well as kind of mid-size where they bring in activation partners, where they have people come in and and be on the side, showing off their product, be, uh, showing off their service, just talking about what they do. Uh, it benefits the activation partner because they get to market to a relevant audience. It benefits the uh, organization because they get to uh, reap any kind of benefits that 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 partnership might uh, might have, um, and and I see the really truly successful esports or uh, uh, events incorporating multiple people and not just trying to carry the weight of the world on their shoulders because they don't have to. No, nobody nobody has to do that. You can bring in as many people as you want. Um, so I, I mean that's that's one thing that I think is happening. I think the other thing is uh, in bringing in people, uh, bringing in eyes, bringing in competitors, bringing in influencers, bringing in people to put their butts in seats. Uh, there's a lot of good work that can be done uh, outside of the event through content. I think putting together a good content package for promoting an event and without, you know, being, being very subtle about, about the event that's, that's coming up. I think everybody who wants to put on a good event can benefit from being almost micro influencers during the year, uh, you know, putting out content, putting out podcasts like this right here, uh, putting out videos, putting out clips, uh, showing off what's going on in, in their pocket of the industry. Uh, yeah. because everybody is as their own little pocket of the industry. That's, yeah. that's where I, I think the, things are. I love the kind of what we were talking about earlier of like your combination of like your esports expertise and on-course capabilities. Yeah. You know, I love when we have opportunities as an industry to apply those best practices that other industries have mm -hmm. and also recognize those unique nuances that are extremely important and you definitely have to hit the bullseye on those but if you just have one or the other you're going to fall flat both together is a powerful powerful combination totally totally well before we let you go um last question for you here mike is where can people follow you personally i think you shared a ton um of insight and knowledge in this episode where if i'm listening to this i'm like 
I want to get in touch with that dude. Um, how can people do that? Well, absolutely. If you want to connect with me, uh, my name is Michael Busa on LinkedIn, Michael Busse. Uh, can you you can go and check. Audience, please. Say again? Can you spell that for the audience? <laughs> That's B-U-S-S-E. And hopefully, if this is over on YouTube or wherever this goes, uh, podcast providers, you can go and check that in the descriptions. Uh, we'll have, hopefully, those links. I'll provide you those links. Uh, so LinkedIn, my LinkedIn name is M-B-U-S-S-E. So it's LinkedIn slash in slash M-B-U-S-S-E. Uh, most other places I am at still just Mike. Uh, anywhere you find at still just Mike, you'll find me. Uh, cool. the Pokemon podcast that I do is Poke Sports, a competitive Pokemon podcast and a competitive Pokemon brand. Uh, and the company I work for is Encore Global. So you can go and check them out as well. Uh, reach out to me if you need to put together any kind of event anywhere in North America. We're happy to assist. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for all that you shared here today, Mike. Um, I, I'm going to get my son on that Pokey Sports uh, <laughs> podcast because he's going to absolutely love it. He won He won a massive Pikachu at Six Flags. No way. We- yeah, he actually, you know those games that are rigged that you're not able to win? He won the rigged games? He won He's the rigged game. Whoa, he did it. And he got a Pikachu the size of himself, which is like five feet tall. That rocks. Oh, my goodness. I have I it on video. See that picture. That's amazing. Yeah, it was the bucket. You know, the, the balls with the bucket yes. and it always bounces out? So he threw it to where it just hit the the very edge and just rolled in and he did it twice wow. in a row and won the biggest Pikachu you've ever seen in your life. And the facilitator was crying. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, we don't actually give these out. Nobody wins this game. But um, yeah, we and Pikachu are definitely going to sh- check out your podcast. So I'm thrilled with that. Everybody who's listening, please give, please give uh, Mike a follow. And if you're in Toronto, you can meet him around the ESTA uh, Toronto chapter. And, you know, next year at the Esports Next Conference, um, we hope you'll be there as well. So thank you for joining us today on the Esports Next podcast.